Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Praise God. Well, we're over here continuing our series in the book of Acts. And we saw in chapter 8 how Philip, you know, he went down to Samaria. He preached the gospel to them. And I mean, people were getting healed. People, here's the same gospel we preach today. Same gospel. And he's just preaching away. And people are getting healed. People are getting delivered. Paralyzed people are being set free. Demons are coming out of people. Unclean spirits are leaving people. I mean, God's just a moving. Why? Because the gospel was preached and there were people that believed it. There were people that embraced it with their heart. And so God performed his word in their life because God's word is a powerful word. God's word is not just letters, but it's power. It's power. It's resurrection life. Praise God. So when you open yourself up to the word of God and embrace it and believe it with your heart, God resurrects things in you. God fixes things in you. You know, the Bible says, I think it's Psalm 107. He says it sent his word. Sent his word sent his word and he healed them. Healed them and delivered them from all destruction. How? He sent his word. Praise God. It's the same word we're hearing this morning. Same word we're hearing this morning is the same word that Philip was preaching that caused all those miracles to take place. So it's just a matter of who's receiving it. Who's going to lay hold of it? Who's going to take it to heart what God is saying? Really, that's what makes the difference with the outcome of the word that's preached. It's the hearer. It's the hearer. It's not so much the preacher as much as it is the hearer or the participant. The one that is hearing and participating in what the Spirit of God is doing in that service. God is endeavoring to do things in your life today. And so you have to be a participator. you got to throw yourself in. Glory to God. But you see, if you're bound by all kinds of things that went on this week and all the cares of this life, see, then you'll just sit there bound and you'll miss the whole thing. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get good at casting your cares. you got to get good at just laying things aside, praise, laying aside weights, and laying aside sin, and if you've messed up, you repent for it, and you get up, and you get past that thing as fast as you can, and you don't lose momentum. You got to keep moving. You got to keep moving. So you can move with the Spirit of God when He's a-moving. And He's a-moving this morning. He's moving. Whenever the Word's being preached, the Spirit of God is moving. So you want to move with Him. You want to flow with the Holy Spirit so that He can perform this Word in your life. He wants you to see He's a miracle-working God. I said, he's a miracle-working God. He's a God of healing. He's a God of deliverance. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he was doing here in the book of Acts, what he was doing here through Philip's ministry, bless God, he's doing it today. He's doing it today. Now, again, over in Acts chapter 8, it mentions a man by the name of Saul. And in verse 3, it says in chapter 8, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Now, I like that, don't you? That they went everywhere preaching the word of God. You know, what, what, what Saul was doing and those that were persecuting the church were doing was they were trying to shut down the church. They were trying to quiet them. But all it did was cause them to spread. Isn't that cool? It just caused them to spread. Glory to God. You know, when you yield to the Spirit of God like the early church did, 
Everything the devil would mean for evil against you, God will turn it for your good and his glory. That's what he did here. Here, the, they're, they're being threatened and they're scattered. They're all scattered out of their comfort zones. But what ends up happening? The word of God goes everywhere. People end up getting saved in all different parts of the world as a result of it. See, so something great came out of it. Now, a lot of times people say, well, see, you know, something great came out of it and that was God's intention from the beginning. That's why God scattered them or God had them scattered. No, that's not. God didn't have them scattered. God doesn't attack his own people. No, no, what God was probably doing was telling some of these folks, now listen, I need you to get up, move out of here. I need you to reach out to these people over here. And they weren't obeying what God was saying. They weren't doing what God was saying. And it gave place to the enemy. Leave God out of it. Don't, don't blame God for, for trials, tests, and all the miserable things that take place in life. People going to prison, and you're talking about good people, God's people, uh, being hauled off to prison, that's not God's will. That's not God's will. God's not trying to scare his church. He's not trying to threaten his church. He's not scattering his church. He's trying to send his church into all the world. And so we have to obey him. And when we obey him, then we don't give place to the enemy. But when we, when we disobey God, then we give place to the, to the devil to come in and make a mess. That's just what happens. See, because if you get out of God's will, then whose will are you in? You're going to get in the devil's will. That's what's going to happen. And the devil's going to cause you problems. But even in that, God will take it if we'll yield to him. And he'll turn it for our good and for his glory. He'll do it just like he did here. He'll do that in every area of our life. I love that. I love that about God, that he'll make even our mistakes to prosper. You know, he'll cause even our mistakes to turn out for the good so that we don't have to walk around in regret all our life. We don't have to walk around regretting things. Regret. No, we can say, no, Lord, now, I, I know where I missed it. I messed up here. And so, but I just give that to you now. See, I repent of that, and I give that to you now. And I just thank you. Just take that, Lord, and turn it for my good and for your glory. And he'll do it. I said he'll do it. But again, you got to ask him. Ask him to do it, and he will turn things around for your good and his glory. Amen? Isn't he a good God? And so now in chapter 9, it says in verse 1, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder. Understand how, how, how rough this guy was. Murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Notice that. Any who are of the way. Before Christians were referred to as Christians, they were referred to, you know, that group known as the way. We can see that here. They had a reputation, obviously, for preaching that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. That's obviously what the early church preached in order to get that reputation that it's the way. Yeah. They referred to him as the way. Yeah, like the only way. Yes. See, we don't like that today. A lot of people in the world, and even, it's really sad, but in the church world, you know, they, they don't like that. We like being all-inclusive. We don't like leaving anybody out. And so, you know, we're all ultimately really serving the same God regardless of his name. It could be Jesus, could be Buddha, could be Mohammed, could be Hare Krishna. It could be, it could be anyone. 
You know, it's just what it, it could be that higher power that you connect with. And a lot of that, that secular talk and thinking from heathens has seeped into the church among believers. That's a good way to depart from Christ by, rec- by not recognizing that he is the way and he is the only way to the Father. That was the message Jesus preached. He said, I'm the way. I don't know if he said it quite like that, but, you know, I'm talking about preaching. I'm the way, the truth and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except by me. He preached that. And the early church just picked that right up. And that was their message. They were telling people, no, there's only one way. There's only one way that you could be saved. And it's through Jesus. See? And, and so we can't be ashamed of that. We can't be afraid to speak up and say, this is the way. There is no other way. Now, you could say it in love, and you could be tactful about it, but ultimately, don't beat around it. Beat around the bush, so to speak. Say it like it is. Jesus is the way, and, and, and he's the only way. He's the only way. And so, again, we see Saul, he's uh, breathing threats and murder against the disciples. You know, Paul, Saul, who later becomes Paul the Apostle, said later on here in Acts, in Acts chapter 26, and verse 11, he said... I punished them. I punished Christians often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. So not only did he go into houses, into the houses of believers and drag them off to prison, but he went into the places of worship and he found out who in there believed in Jesus and Notice what it says. He compelled them to blaspheme. What do you mean? He tortured them. Right there in church. People come to worship and he's in there think he's doing God's service. I mean, religion can be rough, can't it? And he's in there and he's compelling them to deny Jesus as the Christ, as the only way to heaven. And he's compelling them to blaspheme. And I wonder how many gave into it. I wonder how many gave into it. See, we've got to make sure our faith is strong. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And you never know when you're going to be put into a position where you're going to be tempted to compromise. Compromise your faith and even deny the Lord, right? Like Peter did. Peter said, Lord, though all deny you, I will never deny you. And so Peter thought, you know, he was, he was really strong and that he would never, he would never do such. He would never deny the Lord, but then, like probably all of us here, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't give in. I'd lay my life down. That's what Peter said. He said, Lord, I'd, I'd die for you. I'd die for you. But when the pressure came, when the pressure, when, when he got squeezed hard enough, and really when you look at it, I mean, it was a little servant girl that squeezed him. It was a little servant girl that applied the pressure to him. And he started cursing and swearing, and he denied Jesus Three times, right in the presence of Jesus. You read that in John's gospel. Jesus was right there. He looked up, and there's Jesus looking at him after he denied the Lord three times. So you see, we've we got to watch about thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. We've got to be clothed with humility and recognize, without God's grace, I will deny him. Without God's grace, I will, I will do stupid things. And you probably all should know that by now. That without his grace, you do stupid things. You say stupid things, you act stupid. See, apart from his grace, you can do nothing. See, it's clinging to him 
moment by moment by moment. We need to continuously be ye being filled with the Spirit of God, walking in the life of God, walking in love with Jesus, so that when the pressure comes, we don't fall apart. We don't crumble. We don't cave. But we continue to stand up and give Him the glory that He deserves. Amen? In 1 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul said this, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. This was Saul who was murdering Christians, imprisoning Christians, torturing Christians, compelling them to blaspheme. God puts them in the ministry. Isn't that awesome? Somebody say, there's hope for me. Yeah, praise God. Turn to the neighbor next to you and say, there's hope for you. Hallelujah. Thank God there is. His faith put in me in verse 13. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, or a violent, arrogant man, but I obtained mercy because, watch this, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. How many people know his love is abundant? It is over for his mercy endures forever. And what an example of it right here. How God took this man Saul. And in his mercy he visited Saul. He brings Saul to repentance so that he ends up Paul, he ends up becoming Paul the Apostle in the ministry and working in God's kingdom. That's the mercy and grace of God. So abundant. And you know, I think of like Moses. Moses was a man, he murdered somebody. There was, the day came, he took things into his own hand and he saw one of his fellow uh, Jewish brethren being beaten by an Egyptian taskmaster. And so he went and he took that Egyptian taskmaster to task and he beat him. Beat him to death. Beat him to death. Killed him. Has anybody ever done that before? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to. Beat this man to death. Buried him in the sand. I mean, that's a rough dude. And yet he becomes Moses. Nobody talks about the murdering Moses. Does anybody talk about the murdering Moses? Nobody talks about the murdering Moses. No, they talk about what God turned the murdering Moses into. Forgetting those things which are behind. This is what the, Paul the Apostle said. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I'm reaching forward to what God has called me to do. Hallelujah. That's what we all need to be doing. Reaching forward, forgetting those things which are behind, even if it was just an hour ago. You got to be quick to get past it. Come on, church. You got to be quick to get past it. And move on into the more that God has for you, knowing that his mercy and grace is abundant towards you if you will reach out and receive it from him. Amen? Praise God. And so he says, I did it ignorantly in unbelief. In other words, uh, in his heart, he was wanting to please God. He thought he was doing God a favor. There's a lot of people who persecute Christians because they just flat out hate Christians. They hate Christianity. There's a lot of that in the world today. They are an anti-Christ spirit. They are against Christ. They hate Christ. They hate Christianity. And so they attack it because of their hatred for it. Now, that wasn't 
Paul here, he loved God. He loved God, but he just didn't know who God was. He, he thought he was doing God a favor, so he was really quite zealous, wasn't he? Yeah, and so when he figured out who the Lord is, then all that zeal got turned in the right direction. So if you see somebody that's like really passionately against the Lord, or just violently doing the wrong thing, hallelujah, get excited. You got, you got to just look, man, and go, man, oh, man. <laughs> what they will do for the kingdom of God. Oh, yeah. If I could just get the, my gospel hands on them. If I could just get the word into them, praise God. Oh, man, what they'll do for the kingdom of God. Right? Yeah, so we get excited uh, uh, about these things. All right, uh, chapter 9, verse 3. As he journeyed, Saul, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me. Notice this. Saul is a murderer. He's killing Christians, doing these terrible things. But suddenly, how people know, suddenly happens pretty fast. Suddenly, I mean, it just came uh, without warning. Just suddenly. Saul's life is completely changed. He has this encounter with Jesus that ends up changing everything. Acts chapter 2. And there came a sound from heaven. Suddenly. Suddenly there came a sound. Suddenly there came a sound. I mean the disciples were there. They were praying. They were positioning themselves. And suddenly, bam, everything changed. They didn't know that that day 3,000 people were going to join their little 120 group. They didn't know that. But it happened suddenly. See, we got to understand, though God is working continuously in our lives, he moves suddenly. And so many times people look and say, it's not happening fast enough. I, I just feel like I should be further on. I just feel like things should be different by now. I just think that I just let God continue to work in you because suddenly it's all different. Suddenly. I mean, you know, like here, let, let's look at the church, for example. Does it have to grow like it's been growing over the last 27 years? Does it have to, does it have to grow, you know, a little here, a little here? Two people come, one person leaves. Right? Three people come, two people leave. Huh? And, it just, it just, and you think, my Lord, you know. But how many people know? Suddenly, in an hour, you could have 3,000 people standing outside this place begging to get in. Could that happen? It happened on the day of Pentecost. Things can happen suddenly, friends. You never want to underestimate what God can do in a moment of time. Therefore, we don't worry about time. Don't get caught up in time. God knows how to handle time. God knows how to redeem time. God knows how to fix things so that it's exactly the way he wants it to be when it needs to be there. 
You just got to make sure you're being patient and you're obedient and you're allowing God to do his continuous work in your life. Hallelujah. Man, I love suddenlies. You should expect suddenlies. Now, don't just look for suddenlies. Know that God's working continuously. You know, God moves supernaturally every day in the life of those who believe him. But then he can move in a spectacular way, in a spectacular way, suddenly. And wow, the world takes note. People didn't see the little supernatural things that were going on in your life on a daily basis. They didn't see these supernatural things. Oh, but they all see that spectacular thing. But then see, what people do is they, in looking for the spectacular, they miss the supernatural. But then some folks get so locked into the supernatural, they never expect the spectacular. They never expect the suddenlies. So we want to expect both. We're working continuously and we're looking for the suddenlies. Amen? Things can change really, really fast. Praise God. Well, I'm not getting any younger, Pastor. I'm not getting any younger. Just enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going, friend. Just enjoy where you are on the way to where you're going because suddenly God can make up for all that lost time if you allow him to develop you and grow you up so that you can handle it when he says, now. He pushes the button and he fires every missile. You didn't know there were that many missiles. But he starts firing all these missiles and things start exploding all around you. Hallelujah. So that your latter days are so much better than the former. Not that the former were bad, but oh my Lord, the glory. Ooh, the glory that you'll be walking in not too long from now. Can you say amen? Praise God. And I'm not just talking about heaven. I'm talking about here on this earth. Hallelujah. So notice this. It says, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground, heard a voice saying, notice how God moved here. This is a manifestation of the Lord. The light of God's presence shines all around him. Does God do things like that? Does he still do things like that today? Oh no, the light shining around people, that went out with the last apostle. There's folks that like to throw the supernatural out. Hearing voices. You're hearing voices? Oh yeah, God said to me. Oh. I knew I was worried about you. There's a lot of Christians that don't expect to hear God's voice. There's a lot of Christians that don't expect a supernatural experience with the Lord Jesus. But here, that's exactly what Saul got. A light, a, a light shone from heaven, shone all around him. And what happened? He fell to the ground. He was overwhelmed by the glory of God that manifested to him. Do people still fall to the ground today? Will people fall out under the power of God today? Yes! We see it here in the Word. It still happens. There's nothing in here to lead us to believe that God don't do things like that anymore. He does. He does. God wants us to have amazing encounters with Him. Now again, our faith is in His Word. 
Our faith is in his word, word and the supernatural work that he is doing in our life on a regular basis. That's where our faith is. But at the same time, expect, expect God. Right? Expect God to show up. Expect a manifestation of his power to manifest in your life. Hallelujah. So yes, people still see the light of God. People still have visions because that's really what's, what's happening here. Saul is having a vision. He ends up seeing Jesus. But those that are traveling with him, they don't see Jesus. They don't see Jesus. They don't see what he sees. And we know that his eyes were closed when he had this vision. So he saw this in the spirit. This is a spiritual vision that he is having. This isn't something that everybody there can see. Do people have visions today? Yes, yes. God still teaches his church, communicates to his church, and leads his church through visions. In fact, a great book to read is uh, the book by Kenneth E. Hagin, I Believe in Visions. Powerful book. And uh, it'll really stir you up uh, concerning visions and what God can do in a person's life through them. And so, God speaks to him. In really, which was like an audible voice. Thank God for the small, still voice of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking on the inside of us. He'll lead us. He'll convict us. You know? And, uh, but then there's, there's things that God will actually say to us. In fact, one of the prophets said that you would hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And man, you'll turn around to think... Who said that? Because to you, it's like audible. It's just that loud to you. I've had God say things to me many, many times. Very specific. I mean, I can tell you exactly what he said. I mean, line for line. Didn't hear it with my physical ears, but it, was, it came as a thought. But it wasn't my thought. His thoughts are not our thoughts, the Bible says. His, his, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so you get these higher thoughts, and, you know, they're like complete sentences sometimes. And he, he'll give you instruction. He'll tell you. Other times, you just get conviction. You just get convicted on the inside. But conviction is just as much of God speaking to you as if Jesus appeared to you in the light and spoke to you. Or you heard a specific word from him. And so we never want to treat convictions lightly. That's God talking. I said, that's God talking. And to disobey those convictions is to disobey Jesus. It's to disobey God. So we never want that to happen. We see a little bit more of that uh, here. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? I love this. Uh, the Lord is asking him a question. Why are you persecuting? How many people know the Lord knows why? He, Lord, the Lord knows why, but you know, we don't always know why we do what we do. Because a lot of times people are just caught up in the rat race of life or they're just following tradition or just habits and they're just going through the motions, you know, and they don't even know why they're doing what they're doing. And so even though the Lord knows, sometimes he'll ask and say, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And sometimes we just never even think about it. So we got to catch ourselves sometimes. And we got to make sure that everything we're doing, we're doing on purpose. 
We're not just being blown around in life. We're not just drifting. We're not just going through the motions of what, well, we've always done it this way. No, no, no. We are led by the Spirit of God. We are making decisions every day of what we're going to say, where we're going to go, what we're going to do. That's being led by the Spirit of God. So we know why. So if the Lord asks us why, we need to know, we need to know how to answer him. But this is one of the ways in talking about the Lord speaking to us. This is the one, way, one of the ways he speaks to us. Many times he asks us questions. In fact, we see the first recorded conversation with man, with Adam, was God asking man a question. Adam, where are you? How many of you know God knew where he was? God's not, God's not lost here. God's not trying to figure out, where did that guy go? Man, he can hide. He can hide so good. My Lord, I need a few angels to help me find out where Adam went. God, God knows exactly where he is, but yet God doesn't go, Adam, what are you doing behind the fig tree? Come over here. God doesn't do that. No, 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 no. God wants Adam to find Adam. How many of you know we need to find ourselves? We need to find ourselves. We need to find, find and, and, and recognize, you know, why am I here? Where am I? Where, where actually am I? And where am I going? Now, sometimes it can reveal something negative, but it can also reveal something positive, right? Why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? Like, why am I here at church this morning? Why am I doing this? Well, because Margaret would be mad if I didn't come. Okay. At least you know why. At least you know why you're here. Well, it's because I think that's what God wants me to do. Okay. Maybe we can go a little bit deeper. If you don't like the answer, maybe you can fix it. Yeah. See, if you ask the question then, and you don't like the answer, then you can fix it. Yes. So I'll tell you exactly why I'm here. I didn't realize it until just now. But thank you, Pastor. I'm here to visit with Jesus. I'm here to meet with God. I'm here to receive from Him. I'm here to have my life turned inside out, bless yes. God. I'm here to experience God's power in my life. That starts from the inside out. You know, not everybody necessarily is going to see anything, but God could be working something mightily supernatural in your life from the inside out. That's why I'm here. I'm here. I'm not just here to be here. Like somebody used to come to our church, you know, he would say, well, it's Wednesday night. It's just what we do. Well, it's just what we do. Okay. It's Wednesday night. That's why I'm here. So you get a, a Wednesday night blessing. But that's not a good answer. I'm not here because it's Wednesday night. I'm not here because it's Sunday morning. I'm not here because of any other thing other than of what I just said. Yes. To get all I can get from Almighty God. To meet with Him. Can you say amen? But you see that throughout the Word. You know, Adam, where are you? Eve, he says, what is this you have done? Again, a question. God knows what he's done. He's asking her so that she can find the answer. God wants you to find the answers. And we should, you know, learn that lesson when it comes to trying to help other people. A lot of times we just want to tell them everything. Yeah. A lot of times we just want to tell them everything we know and just, just pour it all on them and just share everything. Genesis to Revelation, just, just give them everything we know and da-da-da-da-da-da, just talk, 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 da-da-da-da-da. And many times it's like water running off a duck's back. Yeah. It's just, they're like, and it's just running all over. I remember when we were at Bible school. 
That's, uh, that's one of the things after first year, you know, you're just so fired up. I mean, you're in class after class of class. It's just the word, the word, the word, the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. I mean, you're just like overflowing. And then we're going home for Christmas. And they would get up, you know, and the teachers would say, now, now you're going home for Christmas. Now, don't try to throw everything you've learned in first year on your family. You know, you go home for Christmas and you just want to just pour on them, you know, just, just pour everything you've learned on them, you know. But you can't do that, see, because people don't receive everything you're saying. So it's important that people are receiving. How do you get people to receive? Ask. Ask. Ask them questions. Ask them questions. And then you know if they get the answer, then you know they've got it. Just because you said it doesn't mean they got it. Did you get that? Just because you said it doesn't mean they got it. Ask questions, and if they can get the answer. Now, you see what you say, now why do you think he did that? You got your Bible out. Why do you think they did that? Why do you think this is here? Now you're making them dig. Now you're making them think about it. Dig into it. And get a hold of the revelation that's in there. See, this is how God works with us. Many times we're looking for God. God, tell me what to do. God, tell God, just show me. Just go show me. And I've gone to him. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says, what do you want to do? No, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do. Just tell me what you want. Well, I want, I want to do what you want to do because I give you the desires of your heart. So what's in your heart? I don't know what's in my heart. <laughs> now you got to get down deep in there and find out what's really in your heart. And you find yourself. You find out what's really on the inside of you. That's powerful, see? Then you can really receive from God because that's where faith comes. It comes from your heart. It comes from within your heart. So it's not just God speaking something to you that edifies your head. He speaks direction to you and he shows you something in your mind. That's not, faith isn't in the mind. Faith comes out of your spirit. So that's why many times God will ask questions and things to get you down, searching in your heart. You gotta search for him. You gotta search for the answers. You gotta find out what you want. Hallelujah. I know that's that's what it, way it was for me when it came to getting married. You know, uh, I got saved and I had this girlfriend. And uh, then she was a sweetie. But now I'm saved. I want to make sure I got the perfect will of God. You know, I don't want to just, you know, marry this woman, continue in this relationship unless it's absolutely God, you know. So I said, God, what do you want me to do? You know, should I love her or leave her? You know, should I marry her or dump her? Move on. What should I do? You tell me, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He said, what do you want to do? So I searched my heart, you know. And when I got past my mind and my reasonings and the flesh and all that, and I got down into my spirit, I remember rising up and saying, I want her. And I knew that was the answer. Praise God. And then she did something, got me all upset, and I got in the flesh. I thought, my God, I don't want her. But see, that was my mind, and now I'm confused again. I don't know what I'm saying. Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I see the flesh is flipping out over here, but down in my heart, my heart knew what it wanted. And God gives you the desires of your heart. Isn't that powerful? So once I was able to finally get down into my heart and stay there 
and not controlled by the flesh, not moved by what was taking place in the natural, oh, praise God, then victory, victory came. Hallelujah. And then God actually spoke to us the day. Actually gave us the date to get married. October 15th. Spoke, actually spoke the date to us. But you see, he didn't do that until I knew and she knew in our heart this was the right thing. Gave us both the date. In fact, I went up to her. He, he put October 15th. Spoke that to my heart. I went to her and said, I t- proposed to her, you know. And she said, so when do you think it'll happen? I said, well, when do you think? When do you think we should do it? And she said, she paused and she went, I'm thinking October 15th. I said, it's exactly what I got. And then we looked at each other and then she went, wait, what day does that fall on? Because we didn't even know what day it fell on. How many people, nobody gets married on Monday. Right. <laughs> nobody gets married on, on Tuesday or Sunday, right? It's, it's got to be a Saturday. Well, we didn't know that. So I meant we both ran inside, got a calendar and looked at it. And October 15th was a Saturday. And then there were things that happened that tried to keep us from, from getting married on that day. It was actually the place we were going to get married. Actually, we just moved here, and it was at Evangel where we were going to you know, have, our, have our wedding. And, and so, but the lady we sat down with, she said, what, they had like four? Was it four or three? Three, three uh, weddings already that day? Two? No, oh, two. Okay. So it was two weddings they already had scheduled that day. One so, very large one. One very large one. So she said, you can't use it, but the Saturday before is available and the Saturday after is available. And so we were like, no, it has to be that Saturday. And she looked at us like we were kooky. Yep. She's like, what's your problem? It's like, no, that's, that's, it's the 15th. So anyway, we left there. And what, it was like, I don't know, it was just a few days later. And she, she calls us and she says, you're not going to believe this. She said, both those weddings canceled. You got the whole day. Then we had the choice, chapel or sanctuary. We'll take the sanctuary, thank you. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, God knows. Yeah. I said, God, God knows. We want to follow him. But he'll ask us questions, and that's how we, we can find the answer. Is by The answer to what God wants for us is by finding the answer that's within us. There's so many things that we know. Like God brought all the animals to Adam to see what he would name them. Lord, look at this big fella. What should we, what, what's his name? I don't know, you tell me. Elephant. God goes, perfect. So let it be written. So let it be done. Lord, who's this guy? Who's this guy jumping around? You tell me. Kangaroo. Perfect, son. So let it be written. So let it be done. God had Adam name them all. See, because he had that wisdom of God on the inside. Thank God. When you get God's word in you, God's spirit in you, God's wisdom in you, you got answers. You got answers. You just got to dig in, bless God, and draw it out. Draw out the wisdom. Draw out the understanding. Draw out the answers that are on the inside of you. God's asking questions. I said, God's asking questions. He comes in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, and says to Cain, Cain, where is Abel your brother? Now, Cain has killed his brother Abel. God knows that. But God doesn't come to him accusing him. God comes to him asking a question. Where is Cain your brother? And Cain lies right to God's face. 
and says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Not a good answer. He kept his hard heart hard. And as a result of that, he became a vagabond upon the earth. Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came to him in chapter 1, verse 11, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? God is showing him something, but he's asking him, what do you see? God's wanting him to look and know what he's looking at. What do you see? And then, of course, Job. I love this. Job chapter 38, verse 2. God comes speaking to Job. Now, Job and his friends, they've been mouthing off, you know. They've just been having a war of words and all speaking their wisdom and their knowledge and, all, and just all that they know concerning God and what God does and what God doesn't do and how God is, and they're just going off on this big religious debate. And then God shows up in a whirlwind and visits Job. And God says to him, who is this who darkens counsel, verse 2, by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. I'm going to ask you questions and you're going to answer me. A lot of times we think we're the ones asking God all the questions. We're the ones saying, God, give us answers, give us answers, give us answers. i got news for you. Uh, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. A lot of folks are waiting for God to give them an answer, for God to speak to them. But God's waiting on us to give him answers. To give him a response to all the things he's already said. He has already said a lot. Now, we need to answer him. It's time for us to answer him. I mean, this will change, this will change your approach, how you approach God in prayer. Yeah. Just come into him, asking him, Lord, show me this. Lord, tell me this. Lord, Lord, I need answers. Why aren't you talking to me? And God's like, no, why aren't you talking to me? You tell me. Answer me. Prepare yourself like a man and talk to me. Answer my questions. Verse 4. Where were you, God asks him, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. See, Job thought he had God all figured out. God's like, if you know, then answer this question. And God gives him a quiz. Now, really, Job is a very wise man, very smart man. I mean, really, you read the book of Job, some of the things that came out of his mouth were very profound. It's amazing. But he didn't know everything. There's a lot he didn't know. But you got to watch. I know that. I don't need to call the pastor because I know what he's going to say. Really, Job? Where were you? Where were you? You know, you got it all figured out. You got to watch. I got it all figured out. I've read the Bible. I've read the Bible many times. Uh-huh. Usually that's a lie anyway, but when people say that. I think they lie to themselves. They read a few verses or something. Like, oh, I've read through the Bible. 
He thinks he's got God all figured out. And God just starts, God starts giving him this quiz. Question after question after question after question after question after question. And Job failed. He failed the quiz. In fact, he couldn't answer any one of God's questions. He just sat there with his mouth open. And at the end, he said, I abhor myself. I abhor myself. I thought I was wonderful. I thought I was the most religious, pious person in the house. I thought I was so spiritual. After all, I was more spiritual than Margaret. Just because you're more spiritual than Margaret doesn't mean you're most spiritual. People think they got God all figured out. They got church all figured out. They got everything all figured out. We don't got anything figured out. We live moment by moment by the grace of God. It's God giving us wisdom and revelation for the moment. For the moment. And to say, oh, I know exactly how they're going to do that. Or this is the way they should do it. Who are you? That's my question. Are you God? Are you the all-knowing, almighty? No, you don't know. It's a moment by moment. Leaning and trusting in the word of God and the spirit of God. Leaning and trusting in him. I can't rely on past experiences to handle right now. This is a moment-by-moment thing. Life is a moment-by-moment thing. Leaning and relying on the Holy Spirit. Because there's a lot in the Word of God. You understand? There's a lot of things. And a lot of times people think, oh, this contradicts that because this says go left and over here it says go right. So it must be a contradiction. No, it's not a contradiction. It's just sometimes you're going to go left and sometimes you're going to go right. It's just going to depend. And the Spirit of God's letting you know it can go either way. It's not a contradiction. God, word doesn't contradict itself. You all getting this this morning? This is good stuff. Thank God for the Word. Moment by moment, receiving from him. God will ask us questions. And we need to be able to answer him. Revelation chapter 7, verse 13 says, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, This is John in a vision. He's up in heaven. He's seeing all the glory of God. And an elder says to him, Who are these over here arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? He's asking him the question. Why is he asking him this question? He wants to find out what he knows and understands. He wants to know if John knows. And John says to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I wonder if that's any one of us that he's seeing in the future. Hasn't happened yet, has it? But you just never know. You could be one of those white-robed people. That John is seeing, I'm just saying. Could be. Wouldn't be a bad thing, would it? But he says, sir, you know. And sometimes we need to just wait on God. Need to wait on God for answers. And not answer things presumptuously. Not move presumptuously. Not just make decisions because we think we know. He knows. We need to yield to his wisdom and his flow. Can you say Amen. Oh, praise God, there's so much more we can say about these things. But the Lord is good, isn't he? To teach us and talk to us, ask us questions. What a great thing to get a hold of. Sometimes when you're asking God about something, stop and ask yourself this question. Can I answer this? Can I answer this? Lord, is it right for me to be doing this? Is it? 
answer this. Lord, where am I supposed to be? Can you answer that? A lot of cases you can. If you get down into your spirit, the answer is already in you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand on our feet. Let's thank God for the word this morning. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.